the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to an especially exciting version of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, joined by my co-host Don Dix. And the reason why I say it is extremely exciting, not this usual thrilling, yes, is that our guest, she's back. She's back. The one and only Katie Hopkins, who I can summarize with one of her recent tweets. My testicles are bigger than my boobs. And while I don't have any personal knowledge, I, pres- I hope she's speaking metaphorically. And, uh, you know, well, she, Don, Don, <laughs> Donald doesn't have personal knowledge, but Don, Don and I have been in the same building together, so he may be able to, uh, you know, elaborate in some manner. We, we we have been in the same building together. In fact, you caught me scrounging around wires at your feet when you were at the Unite IE Radio uh, at the Unite IE Conference, and it was such a pleasure to have you as a part of that conference. You were definitely a favorite of the Aww. conference, and you're definitely a favorite of our listening audience. Audience, welcome back to the United States via the magic of internet connections. It's great to have you with us from the uh, brilliant UK. Uh, brilliant only because you still reside there. Otherwise, I'd be very concerned <laughs> if you decide that you want to move out. Yes, it is. It is one of the questions I get asked a lot by my um, friends, supporters, Americans: is why are you still there? What are you still doing there? Why haven't you left? Come to America. And and there is, of course, that sense uh, for me, for my family, for my children of always wanting to leave the UK because of what it's become. But equally, you know, there's such a huge population in the UK who don't have a voice. And I do get a lot of emails from people saying that you know I help make them feel as if they still matter. And so I. I feel I have a responsibility to my country um, that I still fight for my country in the media, even as I watch it fall. And of course, watching uh, Sadiq Khan be so rude to your president as he visits my country is something I'm deeply, deeply ashamed of. And and it's one of the reasons I'm on your show is is to reassure your listeners, decent Americans, that this is not the way British people think, and it is not the way British people want the president to be treated in the UK. Right, at a time when crime is spiraling out of control in London, and London is now more dangerous than New York City, they have, they're putting up this uh, balloon of Donald Trump as a baby in, in diapers. And what I, thought, what I found fascinating was that uh, Khan, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, defended this because we just love freedom of speech so much in the United Kingdom. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, what, um, what is, you know, is, is uh, freedom of speech so universally loved in the United Kingdom these days? <laughs> Uh, I think it's a very it's uh, applied uh, very in a limited manner to those on the left that he supports. So mm. t- 
two things to make really clear. Uh, there is no, no such thing really as Britain or the United Kingdom, in my view. Uh, there is a place called London, Londonistan, which is increasingly populated by Muslims and is run by this nipple-height, sorry, Muslim mayor, Sadiq Khan. And then there is a great place called the rest of the UK. And the rest of the UK is where I live, where my mum and dad live, where, where regular Brits who, who go out to work hard every day, look after their families, believe in, you know, the queen in the country. That's where they live. And I can tell you the idea that this little Muslim mayor has control of London and is able to do something this disrespectful to the president is, is beyond belief of the average Brit. And that's the message we really want to make sure people hear, that Sadiq Khan does not speak for us and London doesn't speak for us either. Let me ask you this, because when we look at an electoral map, a map of the counties of the United States and who voted for Hillary Clinton and who voted for Donald Trump, there's this great red, vast, sweeping area of the United States. And then the blue areas, which are the densely populated coastal regions and one place, I think, that's in the Pacific Southwest. If you were to look at a map of political orientation of the UK, would it have a similar look? Absolutely. I've always said, you know, if you take uh, England or Great Britain and lay it on its side, you pretty much have America, but in miniature. So if you, if I was to draw circles across the uh, United Kingdom, you would have a circle around London. That would be red for Labour. That would be uh, red for Sadiq Khan, for uh, Jeremy Corbyn, for Remainers. And then if you draw a little circle around the big cities where it's high density population, high immigrant population, four or five families per home so loads of voters in a very small area Birmingham, Luton, Leeds all of these places where migrants flood to particularly those from Muslim cultures that's where you see Remain and that's where you see Muslim mayors and you'll know the mayors in England are quite powerful and Muslim mayors outnumber any others and, and that's why for me your upcoming elections in Detroit, Dearborn really matter. You've got your first Muslim gubernatorial candidate. And what I see in the UK, of course, is the way that those candidates, if you're a Muslim, you will attract the Muslim vote and you will end up pandering to the Muslim vote, which is why we see such high cases of FGM and why we see such high um, you know, problems with the Muslim vote, because um, those mayors need that vote. And that's what worries me about your gubernatorial candidate in Detroit. So, um, yes, we have the same pattern as you. High density, high migrant populations. Those votes go to Labour. Those votes um, go against Conservatives or Republicans. It's exactly the same pattern. Got it. And you're using a term. Greg has a question, uh, but you're using a term. I just want to clarify for the audience. You're using the term remain. And I just want to let people know remain means the folks that want to remain in the EU versus those that voted and want to uh, leave the EU known as Brexit. Go ahead, Greg. Right, we're going to talk about Brexit and the status of breakfast, Brexit uh, in our next segment. Uh, you, you mentioned you went over FGM very quickly. So yes. if anyone's not familiar with what that is and, and how that's being, what's happening with that in, in the United Kingdom and increasingly in America, what is that? Yes, yeah, so female genital mutilation. So this is where um, young girls are... They would describe it as circumcised, but I would say mutilated um, because 
they follow the certain religion, so they are Muslim uh, background. And what we have in the UK is a network of doctors who are from the Muslim faith, who are these, as I would call them, butchers, who are butchering um, the private areas of young girls in accordance with their parents' beliefs. Um, and what's very unfortunate, that is, of course, illegal in the UK, as it rightly should be. But sadly, what we have is a country that's turning a blind eye to what's happening to 11, 12-year-old girls who are butchered in this way without anaesthetic. Um, it's an illegal practice, but it's proliferating throughout the UK because these Muslim mayors and politicians who want the Muslim vote turn a blind eye. It's a very sad thing and there's been zero prosecutions for it, particularly in Scotland. And and I think I, I use it not, not uh, because it's something that's nice to talk about. I use it as an example of what happens when political Islam starts coming into play and those people that you look to to leadership will willingly turn a blind eye because votes matter more than what happens to little girls. And, uh, you know, and, and I see that as a pattern that is something that I would want to warn America about. Yes, and I just turning a blind eye to what happens to Muslim girls. We've seen throughout Britain the turning of a blind eye to these Muslim rape gangs that have been plying on British girls and that for years the authorities knew about that and did nothing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's um, culturally uh, majority, well, it's majority Pakistani Muslim men. Uh, culturally, they're brought up to see white, white girls, young white girls as white trash. That, that's how they call them, white trash. So for these men to pick these girls off from the streets, they go to the schools, they, they have a guy who's known as the hook. He goes out and hooks these girls in, maybe offering them cigarettes or a ride in the car or, you know, things that make them stand out from their mates at a time when they're a bit lost. And then they are processed through these rape squads, eventually raped by large number of majority Pakistani Muslim men. Um, and, and we've seen in the UK this happening at an industrial level. It's going on right now as we speak through towns and cities in the UK. Because culturally we're so different, because culturally we're seen as white trash, and and for so long authorities, because they were scared of being called racist, um, they turned a blind eye, and that's what led to the imprisonment of Tommy Robinson, who was filming outside a court where these monsters were being tried. Um, and as you'll know, he's just been given a, or he was given a 13-month term for standing on a pavement outside a court repeating details that were already in the public domain. Um, so that's where the, the UK is with uh, majority Pakistani Muslim rape squads. Let's take a break here from our sponsor, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the status of Brexit after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back with Katie Hopkins after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, Call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed, he's a good guy who'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 
855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office. The the, the forgotten man, as Donald Trump likes to put it, or as we like to put it, the citizen of the United States, which Judge Brandeis says is the most important political office. Welcome back. We have an amazing uh, guest with us who's going to give us some insight into what is under what is underway in the UK with Donald Trump's visit, the whole NATO thing, the whole Brexit thing. Katie Hopkins, welcome back to the show. Give us an update on Donald Trump's trip over there and the conversations uh, that we at least know about that have happened with your leaders. Yeah. So Donald Trump, uh, first of all, stopped at the NATO meeting and it was utterly brilliant. Uh, For the first time, a leader actually stood up to NATO. And effectively, what's been happening is Europe has been using America and specifically the American taxpayer, your good listener, to defend its own home. It's a bit like me coming over to America and saying, actually, you know, you guys, can you pay for my burglar alarm, please? Could you pay for my new fence? Can I get a new lock on my door? And ask asking an American taxpayer to pay for it. That's what's been going on with NATO. Americans been, uh, America taxpayer has been paying 71% of that budget for far too long, and that's not acceptable. And he sat there and he told it to them straight. Mm. He told Angela Merkel to her face that she is the one letting everyone down. That if she's sending money to Russia for cheap gas, then she's the one who is not standing with NATO. And if they don't pull their socks up, he's prepared to leave. And it was just fantastic. And I can say, uh, and I wish Donald Trump would be able to hear it, that the support from regular people in the rest of Britain for someone finally standing up to Germany when we refused to was just genius. So, Then he gets on a plane with Melania and he comes over to the UK. And of course, what he has to face over here is utter nonsense. London is in chaos. The United Kingdom is in chaos. We've just been told we're not getting the Brexit that we voted for. We've got the idiotic Muslim mayor, Sadiq Khan, flying a pathetic balloon of Trump as a baby, as if that shames Donald Trump. Actually, it shames our nation. And we've got a package of events for Melania and Trump that in no way are appropriate, in my opinion, for the 45th President of the United States. His office alone deserves better than what we're giving him. Now, you just said we've been told that there is no the British people voted for Brexit and that was obviously an election that we followed very closely over here because of its international uh, implications Uh, so tell us what you mean by you've just been told that Brexit won't happen or whatever it is that your leaders are saying yeah So Theresa May, our Prime Minister, she has a white paper. Uh, Let's think of it as a piece of paper that she's written her plan on for Brexit. It's taken two years for us to see this piece of paper. We still haven't seen it in full. She went away to her little house in the country, Chequers, with her cabinet to read them this piece of paper, the plan. And essentially what the plan says is we'll still be in the single market. We'll still be 
in the customs union will still pay money to Europe, will still be under a common rule book, i.e. governed by the EU, will still give away our fishing waters to the EU, will still have a, what did she call it? Mobility framework. I know that kind of messaging. It means mm. there'll still be open borders. So essentially, the opposite of what any Brexiteer voted for. And it seems like she passed that plan by Germany before coming to her own cabinet with it. And so we all thought we were going to be deceived. We all anticipated Brexit may never happen. But now we know for sure her plan is essentially to remain, to stay inside the EU in all but names. And and so we just become a kind of vassal colony of the EU. It, it's the opposite of what Brexiteers like myself voted for. And, and I can tell you, as well as the rage, there's a lot of sadness, actually, because not only do we not have the freedom to speak, but we now know that our votes don't matter. Democracy doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you voted. If they don't want it, you're not going to get it. And, and that's pretty much where we are as a nation right now. now I read that the, uh, the, the popular support for Brexit is now greater than it was when it passed. Mm. It's one of the interesting things when they do polling now. Around, so let's say it was 17.4 million voted Brexit. Uh, now they say it's around 22 million. I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher because even some Remain friends that I have, and of course I say friends in inverted commas because they can't be true allies if they want to stay in Europe, but even my Remain friends say in defence of democracy they support the Brexit vote. And even those people who didn't want to leave Europe can see that this is truly overturning the will of the people. And that's got to be a bad thing because, of course, once people know that their vote doesn't matter, well, what are they part of? What, what does society even mean? You know, th these become very big ethereal questions. But how do we tie people together if their vote doesn't count? Now, you told me off the air that there's not even 48 votes in the, in the parliament to uh, force a no-confidence vote on Prime Minister May. So that's, not, that's, pr that's pretty dismal. No, it's, it is. It's such a telling, um, a sort of a telling statistic that our, our people, our politicians, and this is exactly what, why I have such passion for Donald Trump, our politicians are so spineless that even in the face of seeing this massive deception of, of, of a huge tranche of the UK and a failure of democracy, our spineless politicians, many of whom voted Brexit or represent areas or constituents, as we would call them, that voted Brexit, aren't even standing up and saying, I have no confidence in Theresa May because they don't want to raise their head above the parapet. It, it's truly... It's a very curious time. I almost feel like the UK is spinning and someone just took the lid off the pressure cooker and, and I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to fly out because there's no one really in control and the people are very angry or upset. I, I do wonder what's going to happen this summer in the UK. Mm. Mm. Well, the antithesis of spineless is the person that Donald Trump has appointed to be UN ambassador who recently stood up to the UN Security Council and walked out because of votes that were undertake that they were undertaking involving Israel. You just got back from Israel. We'd love to know after the break. We got to take a quick break here. We'd love to know after the break what Katie Hopkins analysis and worldview. You took your worldview over to Israel. Found during your fact finding and behind the scenes trip. More with Katie Hopkins, the amazing Katie Hopkins. You can see some of her videos of her trip 
to Israel on her website, hopkinsworld.com, after the break, uh, right here. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation and host of the main event, which airs every weekend here on AM590, The Answer. I'm proud to be a part of the effort to make America great again, not just by supporting this station and conservative movement, but also by helping people achieve the American dream of homeownership. Whether you're looking to achieve that dream and you need financing, or you already own a home and you're considering refinancing your mortgage in order to lower your payment, shorten your term, or pay off high interest debt, or if you're over 62 and want to look into that great financing tool known as a reverse mortgage, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll free day or night, 855-640-2020. I'll give you all your options, answer all your questions, and walk you through the process. And don't forget to listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 9 p.m., Sundays at 8 a.m., right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB Number 096199. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. We are so pleased and honored to have Katie Hopkins, who uh, was a, one of the great speakers at the Unite IE conference, on the line with us from London. We've been talking about Donald Trump's visit and the betrayal by the British ruling class and government of all the people who voted for, for Brexit. But in this segment, we want to talk about your recent trip to Israel, what you saw there and what you think of that situation. Mm, I think, um, you know, Israel and Palestine, uh, whether we recognize the name of Palestine or not, is such a deeply conflicted nation. It's almost beyond uh, belief, actually, as you walk around there. You can be on one street and you're in Jewish territory, you're in Israel. You can step two steps over to the left and suddenly you're in Muslim territory, you're in Palestine, you're in conflicted. Was there very effective border wall and being taken around that border wall by the guy who designed and built it? You know, it goes down into the ground 40 metres to stop Palestinians tunnelling through. It goes up nine metres because he worked out at six metres. People can still jump off and survive at nine. They're less inclined to. (laughs) And it's 45 centimetres. I know, sort of genius. And he said it with a wry chuckle as well he's like if they jump from nine meters they break both legs so they're not going to run away um and it's 45 centimeters wide and one of the things the democrats or or the liberals or the palestinians say is well it's very ugly well yes it's ugly but it's ugly for a reason and its ugliness makes it beautiful and i think if there's ever a model needed for a border wall uh israel's got it pretty darned right so you know i did a big tour of that with the guy that built it went both sides of it both on the palestinian side and on the Israeli side. Let me, um, let me stop you there conflict. for a second. Let me stop yeah. you there for just one second because the, the, is, the Israeli border wall has been more than 99% effective in stopping illegal crossings. So everyone who says over here that the walls don't work, we have proof to the contrary. Oh, absolutely proof. Um, and, and proof, actually, that it's also been very successful in even dissuading people who might otherwise have a go. And we live in an age of have a go terror. You know, go and blow up a bus stop. Go and blow up yourself uh, in a crowd. And it stops those individuals from having a go. It's, it's a deterrent as well as an, a very effective way of policing a border. So that's one big learning. 
Um, my second big learning uh, and a joy was being with the Israeli Defence Force, not only because they only have extremely good looking people in the Israeli Defence Force. I struggled to find one ugly person <laughs> in the whole of Israel, which was, you know, frustrating for someone like me. I, I pretty much stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they have in there, I went to meet the new recruits from the IDF and a lot of them are young Jewish lads from London, North London and from America. And what the the guy who runs it was saying is that that's what these young lads are doing because they want to fight for something they believe in, because they want to fight for our Judeo-Christian heritage, they're joining the IDF. And, And that to me was just a joyous thing to find lads with a purpose, joining one of the toughest military institutions on the planet. I thought that was fantastic. One of the things you do is, I mean, you just, you don't sit back in a studio someplace and interview people. You get right out there, uh, whether it's in the South African farms, the no-go zones in Europe, or even in Palestinian areas. Did you, talk, when you talk to the Palestinians, do they, do they want peace with Israel or do they want to, annihilate Israel no, no. as, as a slogan no, 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 goes no, no. from the river to the sea. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Be under no illusion. So I went into Palestine a number of times with just a cameraman and uh, a slightly nervous uh, producer. But um, I, strangely enough, they found out I was coming, don't know how, and I was uh, given a Palestinian Authority supervisor who attached himself to me all day, uninvited, uh, to police what I was doing. But no, make no illusion. I was in the refugee camp. And when you think of refugee camp, we might think of ten or cardboard or mud or these are solid concrete homes like you might find in any suburban area these are nice homes they have electricity water and uh, I spoke to them I spoke to the children and the children said they hate the Jewish people they hate the Israelis they will keep fighting when they grow up there is no peace in Israel or Palestine. On that note, Katie, sadly, our time together comes to a close, but it's not over because you're invited back anytime. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Aww. Your insight and uh, understanding of what's going on over in Europe and your eyes and boots on the ground are so important to us. Thank you for all the work you do. Thank you for taking time to be with us and our listeners over here. You're welcome back anytime. Aww, thank you, radio legend Don. <laughs> And Greg, too. And on that note, thank you, Katie. Have a blessed day. We will be back on the Unite IE Radio Show. SCOTUS. Who was he? Who is he? Who were the competitors? We've got it all with Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute after the break. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizens. The impact of private citizens voting in 2016 was heard in a huge way this week, Greg, when SCOTUS, uh, the pick, the, Donald Trump had a new opportunity to, to appoint a Supreme Court judge. I'm going to use the constitutional word, judge, not justice. And he picked... Brett Kavanaugh, someone who is, uh, you know, the the top four picks that we're told were all great. A lot of people were suspicious a little bit of Kavanaugh's uh, sort of swampy, if you will, connections to the Bush administration uh, and some other things regarding decisions. But since his pick, 
a lot of people have have extolled the virtues of him and joining us to help us go through uh, a little bit about his qualifications, uh, who he is, uh, what his uh, personality is going to do to the Supreme Court. We have Brad Dacus, who is the founder, director, president, CEO, Grand Exalted Imperial Poobah of the Pacific Justice Institute, joining us on a quick break of his busy schedule. Brad, thanks for checking in with us. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Don. I appreciate the, the opportunity. It's awesome. Give us your initial take, if you will, and then we'll bring Greg into the. Uh, in, in, he's got a lot of qu- He's the attorney here, and I'm going to turn the bulk of this over to Greg, so that two attorneys can entertain our audience. But give us your initial thoughts on Donald Trump's pick. Yeah. Um, first, overall, I was uh, very pleased uh, with his selection. Uh, was it my first choice? Not my first choice, but I would say my second choice. And uh, with that incredible list that he has, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, overall, the big picture, he is, has the foundation in terms of his decision-making that is, uh, establishes uh, very strong, deep principles of separation of powers, uh, limited government, uh, respect for the original intent of the Constitution, looking at, at history and tradition. Uh, he has uh, established himself as academically and uh, as, in terms of his, uh, his studies being very uh, competent, highly respected. So I, I think this was, for this purpose, is a very good formula mix of, uh, in terms of uh, principal ideology uh, with uh, political viability when it comes to his uh, his tenure and his uh, success for 12 years on the uh, D.C. Circuit. Well, that's a, that's a big point, is when the Republicans have a very narrow edge in the Senate with only 51, and McCain hasn't been there in months, and we don't know what his... Yeah, he's terminal, obviously, but uh, whether he's ever going to vote again, we don't know. Uh, that and you can only so with him out you can only, you can't lose a single Republican vote if all the Democrats vote against him. So to get somebody who is you know ninety percent if the glass is ninety percent full with with Kavanaugh and somebody you can get through uh, that looks like a good pick and and it looks like they don't have ethical issues qualification issues experience so there's nothing they could point to other than his philosophy of upholding the constitution which of course that's that's the real objection so there's nothing else they can point to in terms of opposing him right and i think that's real important now i know they they recently you know the uh you know the politicians have uh, come out screaming and yelling uh, based upon something he had uh, had written um, a good while ago uh, addressing the issue of whether or not the, the president uh, can or should be uh, criminally prosecuted. Uh, they've distorted greatly what he said. Um, he was he's talking as a matter of policy uh, that those elected in office, while they could be impeached, should not be criminally prosecuted while in office. But he never said that's what the Constitution dictates or mandates. In fact, he implied uh, quite the opposite, that the Constitution doesn't dictate or mandate that. And even Alan Horowitz, uh, the um, very liberal, one of the most well-known liberal civil rights uh, professors and uh, academia in the country, has uh, come out and, and uh, taken uh, side, uh, Kavanaugh's side on that and, uh, and defended Kavanaugh in that regard, that uh, what he said was actually very reasonable and uh, possibly doesn't go far enough uh, from his perspective even. So um, it's, they're really going to have a hard time, I think, at the end of the day, 
trying to come, come up with something with credibility that is going to stick and disqualify uh, Mr. Kavanaugh. Now, the only thing that, in my mind, it'd be interesting to see whether they want to run, whether they run another, quote, Anita Hill, unquote, on him and get and find some woman or women to come forward and make allegations like Anita Hill did. And I think if you look at what she said and all the evidence, uh, she was making, Anita Hill was making that up about Clarence Thomas and whether they're right. going to try to run the same scam on Kavanaugh. Yeah, I think it's a real good point because, you know, I know of, of an attorney myself who actually, uh, you know, had uh, her as a professor and uh, and pointed out how she carried herself out and how she portrayed herself was very, very different than her actual opinions. She was staged to attack Justice Thomas. She was to give a false impression, uh, disgracefully, I might add, uh, from a professional perspective. And yet I think you're absolutely right. We could see them try to come up with someone who had some um, interaction with him sometime in the past they say, hey, look, you come up and say that he did X, Y, and Z. We, we, you know, we take the Senate this November. Bam, we'll, we'll save the country, and, uh, and, and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, with many on the left, the, the far leftist uh, extreme, they, the ends uh, justify the means. And I, with that mindset of having a, a very um, uh, immoral, in principle foundation, I could see them very easily coming up with someone uh, taking advantage of the Me Too and, and trying to make some kind of accusation. Uh, I think it's something that the Republicans are going to be looking for and, and, uh, and waiting for, uh, but it's going to be really hard to get it to stick on this gentleman because of his, um, his incredible uh, track record and, and strong, deep uh, Catholic convictions and, um, and uh, manner of life. Right, and uh, we know that the Democrats have offered and paid money to women to make allegations against Donald Trump. So right. there's no, there, there really is no limit to uh, to what they will do. Uh, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and we'll carry on the discussion and why we why Kavanaugh's a good choice and why what your reservations are, if any, about uh, sure. Judge Kavanaugh. After this word from All Star Collision, the place to go when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. We'll back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, although you might be confused into thinking it was Supreme Court justice given all the attention that's paid to appointments to the Supreme Court. We have on the line to help analyze Donald Trump's latest pick, Brett Kavanaugh. Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. You said in our first segment that uh, you, you like the choice, but he was your second choice, not your first choice. What, if any, reservations do you have about uh, the appointment? Um, the first is dealing with uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. 
Uh, he is, you know, in 2006, he was being interviewed for the, um, uh, by the Senate committee dealing with his uh, possibly being appointed to the appellate court. And Schumer really was just uh, really questioning him about Roe versus Wade, uh, what is your feeling, feeling, uh, opinion of it, et cetera. And uh, he went out of his way to state that uh, he says, you know, sorry, decisive, uh, you know, protect Roe versus Wade. He will respect Roe versus Wade. It is established law. And that wasn't good. I wasn't really pleased to hear that. However, when you look at the video and the back and forth, what you'll find is that when, when uh, Schumer came back to try to uh, get him to specifically say, well, do you personally, do you personally believe that Roe versus Wade should be overturned? Uh, he made a point to dance around that and not state in the, the affirmative either way. That gives me a lot of hope, along with a speech he gave in 2017 uh, praising Scalia. One of the things he talked about Scalia uh, was uh, dealing with that, that, that principle of, of uh, the courts uh, being responsible and overturning uh, cases where it is a, a clear breach of original intent. And uh, I think that was a very loud signal in the right direction. So we don't have a guarantee, but I think uh, Judge Kavanaugh has been wise enough and smart enough to know that if he was so explicit, uh, to guarantee his position of reversing Roe versus Wade, uh, he would not be uh, in the position of being uh, nominated right now. He'd be, be a viable candidate, probably. So um, I have to, you know, I can't be too hard on him. But that is, that's not guaranteed. It is out there. The other issue is the LGBT uh, rights agenda. Kennedy, who he had clerked under, uh, of course, was the the author and and uh, and mover and shaker in terms of the LGBT civil rights movement on the court. Uh, we have not seen anything from him uh, with regards to those those issues, those cases, and where he will go in the future. Uh, and that's a little concerning. But his respect for religious freedom and limitation of government, I think, will hold that in, in its proper check. Brad, one of the issues that you have and many others here in California have been following and getting publicity to has to do with AB 2943, which is uh, speaks right to areas of free speech, religious liberty, so many areas. This one is probably going to go to the Supreme Court eventually, I would guess. Love your opinion on it. But for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with 2943, give us the 30-second thumbnail sketch of what this is and what your thoughts are about um, where this might be headed uh, and how the Supreme Court is going to look at this uh, and whether you think it will rise to the Supreme Court. Yes. uh, Yeah, this uh, legislation, AB 2943, uh, is a serious, would be a serious blow uh, to um, to religious freedom and the right of self determination, irrespective of even re- religious convictions, and that it makes it illegal illegal for anyone in California to provide uh, to be provided goods or services uh, that they pay for in any way, shape, or form that is uh, geared towards uh, enabling uh, someone to uh, to have tra- transformation or change in any way with regards to uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, now, it's so broad, it can, it's, it can impact what someone says behind the pulpit, possibly, uh, uh, make people uh, or groups civilly liable for what's said at a church retreat, but also it goes to 
potential um, materials that are provided and also counseling. It includes even books. A, a, yeah, in books. You want to ban books. License. Right, right. The, and the, uh, the assembly, they go exactly, even theoretically, you could see the Bible ban uh, down, you know, through this, based on the present language of the assembly version. So, uh, yeah, it's very concerning. Then you even have it applying, of course, to counseling and counselors. Uh, not just licensed counselors. This goes on and extends it to unlicensed counselors. We at Pacific Justice Institute challenged an existing law that bans such counseling for those under 18 by licensed counselors. This goes much farther to provide, it, it applies it to, uh, to also unlicensed counseling or ministries, and it also applies it to everyone, including adults, uh, to be able to have that, that right, that choice of, um, to, to decide what's best for them with regards to uh, how they address their, their issues uh, involving this. So it's, it's very draconian. It's very big brother. Uh, it limits, it's an it atro, uh, atrocious violation of self-determination, religious freedom, free exercise, free speech, freedom, freedom of association. So, um, so that's where it's at. Now, this, if it becomes law, which it looks like it will become law unless there's a, uh, a turnaround and, and, uh, and where we're headed, I do believe that the Supreme Court will take it up for two reasons. Number one, they almost took up RPR challenge to the existing law. It went up to the Supreme Court. They went ahead and requested the Attorney General to respond to our briefing. That increased our possibility 20-fold of having it heard. It was not heard, and I think the reason was because Justice Kennedy was sitting there, and Chief Justice Roberts wasn't sure if Justice Kennedy was going to be stepping down this summer or not. Um, so... Number one, I think that um, that the court is changing, and in that regard, it's more likely to be taken out. Number two, this bill is so much more radical, so extreme, that I have a hard time seeing the Supreme Court not taking it up. And I can tell you right now, Pacific Justice Institute uh, is more than willing and ready and able uh, to challenge it as soon as, even while the ink's wet. Well, and um, there, as, you, as you mentioned the last time you were on the show, just recently, uh, that. There's uh, one of the cases that was decided this very last term about California's law that requires pro-life fam- clinics to inform women, oh, you can go get a taxpayer-funded abortion over there, was held to be unconstitutional in violation of the First Amendment. And what they did there is they said that this supposed exception to the First Amendment for professional speech doesn't exist, that that is covered as well. So that is a, it's not determinative of 2943, but would be probably one of the first cases you would cite when you challenge 2943. Oh, oh yes, definitely. I'm so glad you, you, you mentioned that, Greg, because uh, what many people in the media didn't pick up on was were, were the equivalent of a flashing neon light at the end of that decision saying, challenge uh, you know, prohibitions on counseling, challenge limitations on counseling. Um, and it, it is such a, a wonderful precedent because it actually reversed uh, two other cases and, and as far as earlier case law, which seemed to carve out uh, professional speech as somehow being exempt of the free speech protection of the First Amendment. Here the court said, oh, no. That is not exempt, and, uh, and it's still subject to the uh, strict scrutiny uh, of, of with regards to, to free speech rights. So we're really very pleased with that. Uh, this, that decision will not only help us challenge AB 2943, and you're absolutely right, we will be definitely referencing it, but will also be applicable to uh, other restrictions regarding professional speech, whether we're dealing not just with counselors, but also uh, with, but with attorneys and restrictions from the American Bar Association, our state bars, regarding what we can say, what we can't say on public issues, 
that's right now um, very much a very real threat uh, that we're uh, we're facing. And then uh, also in, in other professions as well, including the medical profession, uh, as it plays out in different issues uh, such as reproductive health. So um, we're very um, very pleased with uh, with that decision, and it will have a big impact, I believe, in the end. And I do predict uh, right up front that uh, that that I think number one, I think it will become law, but we need to fight it in every way, every way we can. But number two, it will make it up to the Supreme Court, and I predict the Supreme Court with at least a five-four decision will declare it unconstitutional. Mm. That's my forward-looking projections. Wow. Great week for the country, great week for liberty, great week for the republic. There's another uh, law that was overturned, if you will, or or uh, procedure, Janice, this case that challenges the ability of unions to uh, usurp the free speech of their members. Um, we want to talk a little bit about that because we're learning uh, possibly more about the impact that that's going to have in uh, elections everywhere. We have Brad Dacus on the line with us. He is the director and president and founder. Um, I'm not exactly sure of what your real title is, Brad. That's why I'm covering all the territory. I want to make sure I want to make sure you get all the credit you justly deserve for the work that you guys do at Pacific Justice Institute. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with more with Brad Dacus and the and the impact of the Janus decision on elections throughout the country and right here in our backyard after this break. After this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We have Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute here with us. A decision that was rendered by the Supreme Court recently in a case that's uh, known in the media as Janus. It decided that the unions of this country could not force its members to put to uh, contribute money if the speech that union was using was diametrically opposed to that of its members. Well, it's even a little broader than that. The union, the government employee unions, not private sector unions, government employee unions cannot force any government employee to contribute any money to the union because the union itself, what it's doing in collective bargaining for issues, is itself speech and political activity. And what we have here in the state of California, we know the power unions have. We know they use their money in elections. Brad, what do you feel the impact on elections is going forward, particularly those where uh, our future lawmakers incubate at the local level, things like school boards, city council, uh, and city councils? What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we have the potential, assuming people rise to the opportunity, to see a, a major transition take place politically at the local level. We haven't seen or heard much of this in the media or discussion about it. We talk about impacts on congressional races or Senate races or even the presidential uh, election. But the reality is those on the local level with school boards, for example, are often and usually, particularly in non-right-to-work states, uh, the pick uh, of, of unions. And the reason? Because they have all this money 
and uh, they could get this money and they put it in towards these candidates at low levels where people don't have name ID and those with, with the money behind them, the union money behind them gets in. Well, this is a major game changer because uh, if we have um, a large number of, of teachers, for example, and others uh, say, you know what, we're not going to give our money to the union anymore. We don't agree with our politics. And most public school teachers um, are not Democrats. They're either or they're fit in the Republican or independent category then we're going to see a, a major drop-off uh, of that funding. And some Democrats, I'm sure, will say, hey, I'd just rather have the money. So uh, that's going to open up doors of opportunity for people to run in these local races, city council, um, county board of supervisors, um, school boards, et cetera, where uh, they are going to be on more of an even playing field uh, to be able to get elected and to, to uh, get out their messaging. Would you agree with the, with the comment that... The Democrats' objection to Brett Kavanaugh is not Brett Kavanaugh because they would be objecting to anyone President Trump appointed. Their real objection is to upholding the Constitution, that they really don't want those limits on government. We know they don't like the Second Amendment, and now we're seeing even they don't like the First Amendment. There was just a recent New York Times article saying, well, you know, that freedom of speech stuff is not really all that it used to be cracked up to be. Do you, would you agree with that? Oh, yes, uh, hands down. In fact, uh, it's really pretty pathetic because the Democrats were just way too open with the fact that no matter who the president chose on that list of 25, they were going to oppose it. And, well, how can they say that? I mean, these are individuals, different entities, pluses, minus, strengths, and everything. One thing they had in common, his, his selections were ones who were going to protect and defend the original intent of the Constitution of the United States. That is the issue that is why they were uniform in their opposition before uh, Kavanaugh was even announced, because to them, that is the issue. If, if the Constitution, original intent, is respected, and that's going to protect everyone in the long run, from both the left and the right, from all kinds of activists, um, if, that is, if that happens, then they cannot control the people and the government through the judiciary. They're going to have to do it to the uh, legislative branch and making their, their case before the people and having the people vote for it. In the past, the Democrats, the liberals, have been able to push their agenda, push their controls, their ultimatums, on the American people with uh, Supreme Court justices that do not respect the original intent of the Constitution, uh, which is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the minimal, the, the, the most minimal standard that we, could, we should have in considering anyone for the courts and I believe that's what the uh, the, the, the founding fathers and the, even the language of the Constitution uh, dictates. Well, the, liberal, the left and the Democrats really believe in Humpty Dumpty law, a Humpty Dumpty Constitution. In the book Through the Looking Glass, Humpty Dumpty says to Alice, when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. And that's how they want to interpret the law and the Constitution. Oh, oh exactly. I mean, it's like the word gender. We, we all know what gender means, or a boy or a girl. Well, now that's been changed. They've changed the and they label. Say, no, it, yep. Yeah, they changed the label and said, we're going to make it mean whatever you feel like you are and not what you actually are. And on, that same degree of lunacy is what we're, was that they want to be able to push, uh, push through the Supreme Court. And on our watch, hopefully they will not be successful. We'll see Kavanaugh confirmed. Thank you for the work you do. We'll have you back as this progresses to get your thoughts. This is the Unite IE radio program coming to you every Saturday at 4 p.m., on AM 590, The Answer. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.